Amen. Jesus is Lord. And at First Baptist Church, Walnut Ridge, we gather here each Sunday morning to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. Did you know that? Did you remember that? It's important that we do remember that when we come together each Sunday morning. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for our sins and He rose again from the grave, never to die again, but to give life to all of those who believe in Him. And if we gather together each Sunday to worship this Jesus, then it begs the question, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Why do we gather to worship Him? The basic facts are that some 2,000 years ago, there lived a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified on a Roman cross at the demand of his fellow Jews who despised him. The Bible, as well as other historical documents, verify those facts. It's history. But still there is a choice to be made about who this man Jesus was and is. Some have called him a teacher or philosopher. That he was, but he was more. Some have called him a man of mercy who worked miracles. That he was, but he was more. The Gospel of John teaches us that the signs that Jesus performed point to the greater truth that Jesus is the Christ, that is the anointed one of God. The Gospel of John also teaches us that the truths that Jesus taught about himself as the I am reveal that he is the Son of God, that is God in human flesh. The Bible is clear about who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. And I want you to be clear about that today as well. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, as I preach to you this message, the truth about Jesus. And in this chapter of Scripture, we really do find an answer to the question, who is Jesus. Now, this is a long chapter at 52 verses, so I'm not going to read to you all of these verses at once, and I'm not going to take the time to explain to you every phrase and every word in detail. I'd love to do that, but you wouldn't love for me to do that this morning, okay? So, we're going to read these verses in three sections and talk about the main ideas of these verses that point to Jesus as Lord. So let's start by taking a look at the first 19 verses to see how some people answer the question, who is Jesus? John chapter 7, verses 1 through 19. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, 
Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No. On the contrary, he deceives the people. He's a liar. Verse 13. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. That is, he knows whether or not I'm telling the truth. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The first way that people answered the question in Jesus' day and time, as well as how some answer the question, who is Jesus now, is in this way. They say he is a liar. Some think he is a liar. And I want you to take note of the people who thought Jesus was a liar in the verses that we just read. At the beginning of chapter 7 and verses 1 through 9, Jesus is having an interaction with his brothers, flesh and blood brothers, at least half-brothers, sons of Mary and Joseph. You remember Jesus was supernaturally placed in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. Joseph raised Jesus on this earth, no doubt, but God is Jesus' father. Mary was his mother. Joseph and Mary evidently had other children later on, some of whom were boys. We know later on in the New Testament, one of them's names was Jacob, better known as James, according to the Greek version of the Scriptures. But what's so interesting to note 
is that these brothers of Jesus did not believe him. And at first you might kind of think that's kind of hard to fathom. They grew up in the house with Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He obeyed his parents all the time. In fact, the one time when he did get lost, it was his parents who were in the wrong and not him. But could you put yourself into that household for just a few moments with me? How many of you are younger siblings? Younger siblings? All right, I was making sure Sam raised his hand for Bill's sake back there. Good to see you guys this morning. You younger siblings know what it's like to have an older sibling, don't you? How many of you who are younger siblings have perfect older siblings? Sam, now's the opportunity. Yeah, buddy. The truth is none of us are perfect. But hey, listen to me. Sometimes in households, the older sibling kind of sets the bar. And they set it really high. In Jesus' household, living with Joseph and Mary and his brothers, this was the norm too. But it was a little bit different. Because unlike those of you who are younger siblings who it seemed like your older brothers or older sisters were perfect and they could do no wrong and you did everything wrong, Jesus actually did everything right all of the time. Could you imagine how annoying that would have been as a younger sibling? And as time went on, Jesus went out and began to teach and to preach as a traveling rabbi. And word began to reach your ears that this perfect brother was working miracles and was confounding the Jewish leaders. I'm not sure exactly what all the interactions would have been like in that household. But at some point, Jesus' brothers decided, man, we're not going to listen to him. It says pretty plainly in verse 5, even his brothers did not believe in him. His brothers did not believe in him because they thought he was a fraud, a fake, a deceiver. Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, if all these stories that mom has told us about you being placed in her womb supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit are true, then how about you go up to Jerusalem to the feast and you prove it to everybody once and for all? But no, you're not going to do it. You're still going to be traveling around and we're still going to have to take care of mom. You're still not going to give us a bunch of money and take care of us like you could. If you really are this Messiah that's come to set us free, then why are we living as the sons of a poor carpenter who passed away? It would have been a challenge in Jesus' household. His own brothers didn't believe him. And it wasn't just that Jesus' brothers didn't believe him, but Jesus' own people, the Jews, did not believe in him. Now, some of them said he's good. We see that in verse 12. But others said, on the contrary, he deceives the people. That is, he is a liar. He is not telling the truth. He is tricking people into following him so that he can get a big reputation 
and manipulate them to do whatever he wants. Some people think that Jesus is a liar. They thought it back then and they think it today too. They hear the words of Jesus from the New Testament in John chapter 14 verse 6 where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And they go, well, Jesus, that, that's kind of, that's a little narrow-minded, isn't it? I mean, aren't there multiple ways to God? Who is Jesus to say that he's the only way to God? Who is Jesus to say that he's the only truth? After all, maybe Jesus is truth for you, but he's not truth for me. Who is Jesus to say that he is the life? I know a lot of people that live their life without Jesus and apart from Jesus. Who does this guy really think he is? But Jesus was telling the truth because he is the truth. And you kind of get this idea, if you really listen to Jesus' words here in verses 16 through 19, Jesus didn't come saying he was the way, the truth, and the life because he made that stuff up. He came saying he was the way, the truth, and the life because his Father sent him to this earth to be the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, he's telling the crowds, guys, listen to me. If I was just making this stuff up to give myself a platform to stand on, then you could throw me off of my soapbox. Then you could disregard me as a liar. But I'm telling you the things that the one who sent me to tell you. The Father in heaven sent me. I'm his son. There's no way around it. I can't deny it. Though Jesus never said these words, I am God, specifically in the New Testament, every time he teaches about who he is as the Son of God in human flesh, the one sent from above to seek and to save the lost, the I am, he is equating himself with God in heaven, showing who he is, but yet some don't believe. They think he's a liar, that he didn't teach the truth, that he's a fraud, that he's a fake. And it was because Jesus preached the truth, that he was the truth, that those who grew jealous of his reputation, of his legitimate power and real authority, decided to destroy him, made a plot to kill him. And Jesus knew of this plot. Why do you seek to kill me? He asked in verse 19. And that brings us to the second section of chapter 7 in verses 20 through 36. The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel." Jesus is referring here to the work that he had done earlier in John's gospel, in John chapter 5, when he healed the man on the Sabbath day, the man who was lame and could not walk, that had been laying there by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus simply said, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. 
And the man walked on the Sabbath day. Jesus went on to say in verse 22, Moses therefore gave you circumcision, a sign of the covenant, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath day. And I need you to understand this so you know what Jesus is talking about. In the Old Testament, God commanded His people, the Israelites, to circumcise their baby boys on the eighth day. It was a sign that God had set them apart to be His people. It might sound like a weird sign to you, but that's what God told His people to do. God also gave His people the commandment that they were to honor Him on the Sabbath day by honoring the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. That is, on the seventh day of the week, Saturday, the day that God had rested from His work when He created this world, the people weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. They were supposed to rest just like God had rested. In order to keep God's law, they had to circumcise their, bo their boys on the Sabbath day if that was the eighth day after which they had been born. And Jesus is giving them this idea. If you work on the Sabbath day by circumcising your children, your baby boys, then why in the world are you complaining that I helped a man walk on the Sabbath day? Verse 23, now you're going to understand his question. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath day? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not the fraud. You are. I've come to do the will and the work of God, but you're the ones that have built up this facade pretending to do the works of God while you're really just protecting yourself and your reputation. Sinning from your heart but keeping the letter of the law so that you still look good on the outside. Verse 25. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he's from. Then Jesus cried out as he, was, as he taught in the temple saying, You both know me and know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, 
Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. Do you see how these religious leaders responded to Jesus? Some thought he was a liar and was trying to deceive the people. But we see in verses 20 through 36 that some thought other things about Jesus. Some thought that he was a lunatic. He was a madman. He's crazy. It begins with that question in verse 20. Who's seeking to kill you? They even said of Jesus, you have a demon. You're possessed. There's something wrong with you. Where are you from? You can't be from from God in heaven. You're from Nazareth. Where are you going? Going to go amongst the Jews and the Israelites who've been scattered throughout the nations to preach this message? They think Jesus is crazy. Some people today think the same thing. I mean, stop and think for a few moments what Jesus told his followers to do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. How many of you grew up hearing that in good old Arkansas? Uh-uh, man. Love your enemies? No, man, you fight them. You don't just fight them, you beat them. Pray for those who persecute you. Maybe pray curses down upon their heads. Listen, Jesus teaches things that sound upside down to us. But Jesus is not crazy. The truth is this world is upside down and Jesus has come to set things right. And so when people in this world thought that Jesus was mad, that he was a lunatic because of the things that he said and the things that he taught, really we need to think about it this way. Are we going to listen to a crazy world call the Son of God crazy? Or are we going to listen to the Son of God who came to seek and save the lost in this world? To bring those who are walking in darkness into the light. Some think Jesus is a lunatic. But then there are some who understand truly who Jesus is. And this brings us to the third section of the scripture we read today. In verses 37 through 52. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, 
where David was. So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night earlier in John chapter 3, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Some think Jesus is a liar. Some think Jesus is a lunatic. But some trust Jesus is Lord. And the truth is, that is exactly who Jesus is. It's who He said that He is. As we've read through John chapter 7 today, you've seen various reactions from different groups of people to who Jesus was and to who Jesus is. There are as many different groups of people, if not more, on the face of this planet today who have different perspectives, opinions, and ideas about Jesus. But the Bible is clear. Jesus is Lord. Is that clear in your heart and in your mind? Many of you have heard this expression, Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord before. I didn't coin this. In fact, it's kind of really difficult for theologians to determine where this idea came from in the first place. But one of those theologians who set this idea into concrete form and fashion with some wonderful words was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. And he wrote this about trying to decide who Jesus was based upon the presentation of Jesus in the New Testament. C.S. Lewis wrote this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. And he did not intend to. We are faced then with a frightening alternative. This man we are talking about either was and is just what he said 
or else a lunatic or something worse. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic or a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. This is who Jesus is. And many in the world do not truly know him. Jesus was not a deceiver, nor was he delusional. He is divine. He was neither a con artist, nor was he crazy. He is the Christ. Jesus is not a liar, nor is he a lunatic. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So my question for you this morning is this. Is the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And I want you to pay very careful attention to this. I'm not asking you if you think Jesus was a nice guy. I'm not asking you if you think Jesus did one or two miraculous things. I'm not asking you if you think that Jesus was a wise man or a prophet. I am asking you if you have surrendered to Jesus as the Lord that He is. Because understand, thinking that Jesus was a good man or a wise teacher or even a miracle worker is not what the Bible says we are to conclude about Jesus. Hell will be filled with people who think Jesus was kind. Hell will be filled with people who think Jesus had a few good things to say. But heaven is filled only with those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's why the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So I want to make sure today. That you're not just playing the religious game. That Jesus' brothers or the religious leaders or the curious crowd in Jesus' day and time played. I want to make sure that you who come together on Sunday mornings to worship the Lord Jesus Christ truly know Him as Lord. If you're here today and you don't, it's time to bow your knee. And confess with your mouth that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I've asked you a question this morning. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Preachers have said before that Jesus is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. I'm not asking you if you're a church member. I'm not asking you what you think about God. 
I am asking you, is Jesus the Lord of your life? He is Lord of all. And only those who surrender their lives to Him as Lord truly know who He is. Truly will be able to worship Him here on this earth and on into eternity. I want you to know Jesus as Lord. And if you're here today and you don't, I want to give you the opportunity to come to know Him. I share with you that passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, just a few moments ago. I want to share it again with you now. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll experience forgiveness of sin. You'll receive the gift of eternal life. That's what God wants for you. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why I'm preaching to you this morning. Because God wants you to know Him. And you can know Him through His Son, Jesus, today. Maybe you're here and you named Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago as a Christian. But for whatever reason, you've just forgotten to worship Him and to praise Him as the Lord of your life that He is. And it's not that you need to surrender and become a Christian all over again. It's just that you need to submit yourself anew and afresh to the Lord Jesus. To re-surrender your life to Him and say, Jesus, You are Lord. You came to this earth to save me, and I want to follow you. No matter where you tell me to go, when you tell me to move, or what you ask me to do. You're the Lord, and I want you to be Lord of all of me. I'd be standing down here in the front if you need to speak with me, or if I can pray for you in any way, I'd love to do that. This altar's open if you need to come and just pray to God directly. You can even talk to Him in prayer. Right from your pew. As God calls you today, would you respond to Him? Let's stand and sing this together.